When we talk about emotional and mental health, it plays quite an important role in our lives. It affects our thoughts, behavior, our productivity and our day-to-day functioning. It becomes extremely critical for us to be emotionally healthy and put our best foot forward to work on it. But have you imagined a scenario where you can actually track your emotional health? Not directly, but emotional health has a deep correlation with HRD. To unpack this, we are joined by Nina Sonovia in today's episode. Nina uses HRV training with high-performing corporate teams, business leaders, and individuals to build personal resilience using biofeedback and neurofeedback. In her years of research and work, she links HRV with emotional health and helps her clients optimize their health for the better. Nina talks about her life journey, what got her into the subject of HRV, and her definition of HRV, given how broad and diverse the subject is. Since mental health is very deep-rooted, we discuss the role that childhood events can have, how they can have a potential say in a person's personality. Nina also shares the protocols for using HRV when it comes to your emotional health and how you can approach this correctly. Since the world of biovariables and biomarkers is relatively new, we ask Nina about her vision for the space. Additionally, Nina gives us the top three ways in which people can use biomarkers to optimize their emotional health. Let's find out more from Nina now. Hey, Nina. Thanks a ton for making it here. Really excited to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. All right. So uh, before uh, we, we begin and uh, before we get to know a little bit about the work, the fantastic work that you have been doing, I would love to understand your life story in terms of like why are you doing what are you doing like for the last few years? Yeah. So I came to this work for a couple of reasons. I was actually... I don't know if you're familiar, but here in the in the U.S., there's a huge study around um, adverse childhood experiences, and that study really encompasses the things that happen to children between the ages of zero and 18 years of life. And those things can be anything from experiencing divorce, experiencing a sense of abandonment. And so, when I discovered there are ten markers, questions that really frame. Um, a score for the adverse childhood experience. And when I discovered that I had six of the 10 markers from that survey and knowing that the data that was produced out of a 19,000 person survey, it really made me think, okay, what can I do as an adult to reverse those things from the stress that was caused in early childhood? That was one of them. The other thing that is that I was working with my actual clients as a as a, a therapist at the time, and I was seeing that people were self-regulating. And I became very interested in products that would help one calm themselves and would help one learn how to better regulate themselves if they had experienced childhood trauma or trauma as adults. And that's how I came to this work. Got it. This sounds really, really interesting, given the fact that just like human physiology, the world of human psychology is equally interrelated and equally deep. At the same time, it's equally complex as I mean, way more complex than than whatever, like probably we know less about our mind today than we know about the planet and probably the universe, right? Because it's, it's a highly underexplored aspect of our life. One of the reasons why it happens is because we don't, we can't really see our mind. Physically, so you don't know the form of the mind, you, but you can obviously a lot of what happens in your life depends on it. So what you just mentioned is is sort of like is it like a you can say like a vertical within 
psychological wellness, human psychology, like for example, understanding how the childhood evolved for an individual or what the childhood was for an individual, how much does it have as a role to play in terms of like people and their personality in the future? That's exactly right. And so when we're looking at this whole integration of body and mind, we often don't have those gauges, right? So if someone had problems with glucose, for example, which I know you're very interested in, if somebody had problems with glucose, we would know what those numbers are. We would know what those numbers are and we would make course corrections throughout the day. And so my work integration is around what is the emotional regulation, right? How are you responding, whether it was from an experience in the past or present moment, and how is your body responding to that? And that's how I got into heart rate variability work is how do we really give real time measurements on how we're responding to stressors, how we're responding to emotional, as I call deregulation, whether we're working too hard or working out too hard or how, how is our body responding? How is our mind responding? Sort of like biofeedback. Is that the right term exactly. for it? That's the, the right term for it. It's biofeedback. What is our body giving us feedback on in terms of how do we then regulate our emotions? Got it. That seems like a super interesting approach towards looking at human psychology. Actually, before we talk about the HRV uh, methods around understanding uh, more about the human mind, I would love to ask you about what is your definition of HRV? And uh, this matters because what I've seen is that uh, when people define HRV, everybody has a unique definition to it, given the fact that it's a highly versatile biomarker and it can be used and uh, interpreted in multiple ways. So how would you, if you were to explain HRV to our listeners, what would be your take? I would tell, our, I would tell people listening today that HRV is, everyone has a heartbeat, boom, boom, right? Boom, boom. We all have heartbeats. Heart rate variability is measuring what's happening between the heartbeats. So every heartbeat is really going to give us the, the energy or the things that are happening between the heartbeat, between the boom, boom, is really telling our body how we're responding. So heart rate variability is just that. Each heart rate has a variable that will give you information or biofeedback on how the body is responding to stress. Originally, heart rate variability was designed for athletes from a recovery standpoint. If I train hard as an athlete, am I going to be, what am I going to be able to do the next day, the next day, the next day? And what stress is my body going right. to have on that? What things can I tweak in order to make that better? And I saw that as fascinating from the standpoint that if we can understand if the heart has an intelligence center and we can measure the distance between or the things that are happening between the heart rate, then we can really give that information to an individual to really measure how they're doing emotionally. So for me, heart rate variability is really kind of the, if the brain is an intellectual center, the heart has an intelligence center to let us know how we're responding to the environment that we're in. So it's sort of like a environment adaptation biomarker. So it tells us how adaptive we are to the existing environment around us. Is that what it really means for? Yes. For, for Got it. Yes. And, and it's uh, real time yeah. in that one second, right? But then you can make adjustments in order to better handle maybe disappointment, better handle excitement, better handle performance from an emotional standpoint. 
And is it that sensitive? Like it reacts to almost all of these emotions and uniquely, for example, what I've heard about HRV largely is that uh, there is a parasympathetic, it can help you identify the parasympathetic and the sympathetic zone. But within the sympathetic zone, can it help you identify like unique uh, emotions and expressions as well? Yes. So if you think about one term that you threw out there was the sympathetic zone, right? And so our systems, we have a parasympathetic and a sympathetic. And what I like to help people learn about HRV, heart rate variability, is that if we can get a more fluid rhythm between each heartbeat, then we know that we're in that what we call zone, performance zone. We know that we are then in a state of calm. And if we're in a state of calm, we can take ourselves from fear or flight up to performance. And so, yes, we are measuring those things with heart rate variability. We call it coherence when we're in a zone. Got it. So from fear and stress to performance, right? And, um, And some part of performance is also going to be fear and stress, given the fact that performance might might actually be physical performance or mental performance let's say in this case mental performance some of our emotions and our uh, and our expressions are actually driven by fear as well so this is more like an adaptation metric so it does not really mean that you're not afraid or you're not stressed out but just that your ability to recover from fear or stress is much higher is that the right way to understand this that's exactly right we're not really necessarily saying and and I I really appreciate you bringing out the idea that Sometimes that fear does drive performance. Too much of that fear will make performance decrease. And so there is this adaptation of we need a little bit of that to move us towards the goal, but that too much of it really Mm. kind of stagnates us. And so when we're looking at it, it doesn't mean that if your heart rate variability is really low, that you're very fearful. It just means that your ability to recover from what you're stressed out about or anxious about is going to take a little bit more um, tools. Right. So the the balance is what what really matters more than being on one side of either parasympathetic or sympathetic. That's why probably uh, many platforms and algorithms actually prefer to call it HRV balance instead of the direction of HRV. Tell us a little bit about the the protocols that this is really interesting now, given the fact that you're actually using it to understand more aspects of mind. And, and what I really love here is the fact that it's a highly available biomarker. It's not like you'll have to invest in semi-invasive or invasive methods to to understand your brain waves or anything like that. This is probably doable with most devices out there. And uh, with most, this is probably a biomarker that's probably like very, very easily available. You're actually trying to understand how the mind works to some extent and to drive it towards performance using a very highly common biomarker. So tell us a little bit about how do some of these protocols actually work? Like some one, one, maybe one case study, maybe one example. Yes. So one case study is working. um, I work with commercial airline pilots and oftentimes in that industry, not only is it a safety sensitive position, but it is also a position that um, you have to know in the moment, right? You have to be able to regulate emotions in the moment. And so one way that we use, HRV in that area is to really make sure that first, you know what your baseline is, right? And what does that interpret? What does that feel like in your body? And so if one is clenching their jaw, right, or clenching their fist or has a very low tolerance for whatever may come up, 
we use HRV readings in order to put tools with that. So a low HIV reading, how much hydration do you have? Are you hydrated? What was the sleep like the night before? What's at the end of your fork? What are you eating? Really trying to look at the whole person in terms of what is that reading? And can we then move the marker? Can we then move the needle in terms of more balance, as you call it, the balance between fight or flight, fear response, and calm response? Are we able to move those markers by mindfulness exercises, breathing exercises, meditation exercises, exercise, but not too much. If it's too low, we try and dial back. Um, Hydration, sleep, really focusing on a total person. And is it like the baseline could be different for different people, but the direction of the HRV is what really matters or uh, more is just better? Yeah. And your HRV, when you think about it, it's coming from the heart, right? And so your HRV levels can be different by age and by gender. And so you want to always make sure you get a baseline for you. And the more innovators out there like you, the more innovators that are putting effort into this space to get more diverse population data into the HRV space, then I think in terms of normalizing it for different types of people, we'll be able to really see that HRV is a difference. But we are trying to drive everyone to a balance between the fear response and the calm response. And HRV is only one tool in, in order to get there. Got it. So that, that is a really interesting uh, segue into your, what would be your, um, let's say, vision for this space, uh, given that what we also truly feel is that we're all just getting started. There's so much to be done in this space. Uh, if you just like look at the last three, four years, the amount of continuous data, and, and I'm underlining the word continuous monitoring data because if you have a data stream of HRV or glucose or even resting heart rate, uh, body temperature, right? Having these metrics uh, in a continuous array versus a point in time uh, biomarker, the amount of information you can derive is just like multiple X's larger, right? We see that all the time with glucose. You can take fasting glucose and say that, oh, my fasting glucose was just high or low. And probably from that, I can detect my state of performance or a disease. But then there are so many layers in the middle, right? Basically, people who are essentially becoming more and more insulin resistant, people who are progressively getting a met- metabolic issue, or uh, people who are actually improving as well on the other side, which a point in time system does not help you measure. What we have seen is that a continuous mechanism can actually help your help shape your lifestyle. Although, if you really look at it, if somebody has a, a high HRV trend or let's say a high recovery state, just for a day, it does not really move their health. But if you can understand that, similarly, you can actually drive your behavior towards towards things that actually drive your HRV up, right? So that feedback is actually quite important instead of basically having a point-in-time report because traditionally, all of healthcare used to be uh, that I'll do a health checkup every few months. And from that, all of us, like you and I and everybody, we are taking this platform to the next level where what we are saying is, It's not just uh, your state of disease or health, but how you got there and what factors essentially uh, helped you move from point A to point B. So that is the intermediate dimension that's actually quite missing. So what would be your your vision for this space? Maybe maybe 10 years out, we're in 2022, so maybe 2032. What would you like to see in this space? I'm glad you asked that question because I have been doing this work for over 13 years. 
And at first, HRB work was for, um, as we said, athletes, right? So a very small population of high performers were able to really push performance from a physical standpoint. My goal for this work is that it's accessible to anyone that wants it. And we're seeing some of that with devices. We're seeing the integration of algorithms into devices that we're already using, but, but people aren't understanding how to get the most use out of it. So I think it's number one, it's accessibility at an affordable price point. And it's also education around what you just said, not just point in time, but how can historically this data help to drive behavior? I call it almost the gamification wellness, right? How can we gamify? How can we really get people to want more rewards, more rewards? We have, we see on Apple Watches that we want to close the ring. I hear people saying, but what if we said- You know, what my goal is, is to have more balance between the parasympathetic and sympathetic. Those are common languages. People are like, I want I want more balance between those two. And so for me, 10 years out, it would be not only do people have access to this this tool, but also they they're aware and it's it's normalized. Right. The words sympathetic and parasympathetic. Sympathetic meaning fight or flight, fear response, parasympathetic, calm response, that they're really talking in terms of we're just making it a normal part of our vocabulary. That's that's what I push for every day. How And I'm sourcing all the time products that I can always introduce to people so that they're aware that they can take this into their own hands and make it a game if you want. You know, I want to be in the zone for six days. I want to be in the zone for 72 yeah. hours, whatever that takes more sleep, more hydration. What am I eating? You know, how am I really managing my stress and my, and my physical response? I think this is a phenomenal thought, given the fact that what you just mentioned about gamification, one of the most common perspectives, sometimes the perspective is that like there is way too much gamification and everything and people are just chasing a reward one after the other, right? And one of the things that, at least like one of the things that I've been thinking about for a long, long time is that this is not true because if you make people, the human mind will always chase rewards. That is the truth, eternal truth, right? Because we're optimized. This is how we evolve. If you chase a reward, we get rewarded for things that are more pro-evolution in some ways. So you cannot cut evolution. You cannot say that, oh, from tomorrow onwards, I will not chase uh, a reward. But if you can optimize or modify the rewards to be more sustainable, just like if you think about there's there's a view around capitalism, there's a view around how capitalistic societies are unsustainable. But at the same time, if you can, it's, it's not about having high amounts, of, like basically only a capitalistic society or not. But if you can make capitalism more sustainable, just like if you can make gamification more sustainable, by counterbalancing it, and what we are really trying to do, all of us, is actually to provide a gamification method for your health. For the longest time, all of us had gamification methods for let's say, making money for, um, let's say, even intellectual pleasures. Like, for example, all the virtual games is, games and, uh, and methods are all derived around uh, your curiosity and your intellectual pleasure. But if you can have something built around your health, that is a fundamentally superior way compared to saying that don't chase any rewards because that's, that's something I don't think we are wired like that. Uh, we are wired very, very differently. And not having a reward might actually make it even worse uh, and we might just gravitate towards uh, factors that give us more dopamine today and the usual factors around us are processed food and all the other unsustainable things that actually exist 
so i think this is this is sort of like a i love to quote uh, the star wars analogy here that only empire can fight empire right so yes you have jedi is but you still need the help of the empire to fight the empire yeah it's just an interesting idea of why wouldn't we want to gamify and and what you said is that you know we learn through being able to get rewarded for good behavior for lack of better words and and being able to say you know my goal is to be around for x years or my goal is to reduce my glucose or my goal is to lose weight not so much that we're doing it from a negative but i want to move it i want to be here i want to yeah. be a, the better version of myself every single day and if this is one tool to get there why wouldn't i utilize it absolutely absolutely and this is a highly accessible tool out of everything else out there our vision is also very much similar that if what's what's going to happen is that uh, people will suddenly have access to a lot more data about their own body and uh, it will take some time before everything starts making sense our effort is also towards making helping people make sense of the data that they generate but for the first time if you think about it all the evolution in the healthcare space happened because of studies and clinical trials and you can only do clinical trials at a certain pace or at a certain cadence but if you have methods to measure people and the response and if you can do observational studies rather you can really scale these observational studies because now this is now the the ability to create hypothesis around what works for you just increases in a maybe million times more uh, today one of the biggest problems in healthcare is that we we just lack hypothesis around many many aspects and what we and for the maybe for the right things we end up over indexing on studies that actually work so you end up creating depth but there's so much more to discover about the human body that um, if you run at the current pace of clinical trials and depend on uh, regulated studies to uh, to to drive evolution in this space we might actually end up evolving very very slowly versus if people can become scientists of their own body in a responsible way understand what's happening in their own data and we can build a platform that helps them do it in a responsible way I think that that becomes super powerful. I agree with you, one hundred percent. On that note, what would be maybe like the top three uh, ways in which people who are tracking their biomarkers or HRV to work on their mental performance or on their emotional performance as well? I think a couple of things. I think understanding that it's just a point in time. So being kind to yourself around what that is and that it takes time to come up with your own personal profile. So really using it as a way to listen to your body. Our body is really the first indicator that something is not feeling safe or that something is feeling safe in our environment. And that is how our our emotions are tracked. So our physiological response through our body is always going to tell us what we're feeling and it's going to tell us what we're feeling way after we felt it so i think i think being gentle knowing it's just a point in time but that over time it can really shape behavior and we know that it shapes behavior right we know that as people are for lack of better words chasing kind of the the smoothness between calm and the fight or flight response we know that there there's a way to to make sure that that behavior is repeated so three things for me would be be kind to yourself it's a point in time be consistent 
because overtime is where you're going to get what works best for you. And that know that behavior in mind is growing. Neuroplasticity tells us that we're making connections with our neurons every single time we're learning something new. And so you don't have to end up with the same behaviors as your parents, grandparents, family members, that if you really want to show up as your best self, you can really use tools in order to inform that decision and really shape behavior. I think that's a phenomenal perspective. It takes time. Uh, Be kind to yourself. Be consistent and believe in neuroplasticity. I think that is really mind opening because a lot of people and uh, and this is not just people who are like non who do not belong to the space of mental performance, but even athletes beyond a certain point in time, what we have seen as well is that a lot of these boxes that they create for themselves are all limitations that they have in their own mind that I can't do a certain thing. I can't train in a certain way. And uh, once there is more openness in terms of looking around, in terms of thinking that I could be a totally different person, everything changes. And it's almost always like that. Sometimes it happens with, unfortunately, with a trauma event, because that's setting you back by a few uh, miles, then then you bounce back. But many times it happens just by self-observation as well. And I think that consistency and can be amplified with as we, we, we coined it here is the gamification of that, because then you'll know, OK, tomorrow, maybe I, I was in the red, but today I was in the red. But I know that by making some adjustments tomorrow, maybe I get into the yellow and into the, the zone. Right. What we call coherence in the heart rate variability space. And then how long can I stay there? So it's the it's the consistency. It's the muscle. It's training the heart muscle. It's training the emotional regulation muscle in order to get you to that better version of yourself. Wow. This is really cool, uh, Nina. I think super excited about the work that you have been up to. And I'm sure like folks listening, uh, there's there's a lot to deep dive in the HRV space and there's so many layers to it as we build methods, platforms. And I think after hearing Nina, we now probably know that there are so many dimensions to understanding more about the human body. When you think about one of the ways in which I define the human body is like a mystery novel, right? So you don't know what the next chapter is going to be. And it's probably the most fascinating mystery novel that you can ever read. So really, really glad that we got our time to chat and uh, learned a lot from your experiences as well. Thanks a ton, Nina, for, for making it here. Appreciate your time and uh, look forward to staying in touch and, and collaborating more in this space. Thank you. I'm looking forward to that as well. And with that, I hope you were able to gather deep insights into your emotional health and the kind of impact it can have on your daily life. With biomarkers like HRV, we can definitely keep our emotional and mental health in check and figure out ways to optimize it. And we at UltraHuman try to discuss diverse topics that would help you understand your mind and body in a much better way. If you found this podcast to be meaningful and you were able to gather some insightful tidbits Please share this with your family and friends and help them get on the journey of great emotional health. We have a lot of amazing guests lined up in the coming episodes. Stay tuned and I'll see you soon.